Good morning, podcast. I'm Chef Ben, and this is Food in 5, brought to you by HowToNotBurnShit.com, your modern culinary manual. Uh, Earlier in the week on Monday, I read a very, very, very old story uh, about stew. Um, And it's from an old blog I used to write called Proto Adventure. That doesn't exist anymore. You're not going to be able to find it. Um, But I woke up this morning and... I thought it'd be interesting to do one more. So this podcast is going to be a little bit long, uh, just like Mondays, and then I'll go back to normal on Friday. So this is from 2013, and it's called the Dawson City Salmon Crisis of 2013. Um, So I'm in the Yukon at this point. Uh, Yeah, I'm just going to jump in. I haven't read this since 2013, just as a heads up. Uh, Suzanne and I recently went on a two-day trip to Dawson City. It was an interesting trip where we did and saw lots of interesting things. This post is not about those things. I'm not going to tell you about the encounters with two bears or a moose or some elk that we had. I'm not going to tell you about dredge number four, which was crazy. I'm not even going to tell you about the town of Dawson City, old and cool as it may be. What I'm going to tell you about is something that I was completely unaware of until my trip across a small part of this fair territory. A problem that not only seems to plague Dawson City, but every small town and community between Dawson and Whitehorse. Now, although this crisis is not only hitting Dawson, this is the first place it became apparent to me. And that, dear readers, is why this post is called, and why it is about, the Dawson City Salmon Crisis of 2013. Now, Susan and myself were on our second day of camping, sleeping in the backseat trunk of her car and campgrounds, uh, about to start making our way back to White Horse from Dawson City. It was about a seven-hour drive with construction and breaks, and we had lit a campfire the night before, but due to the absence of forethought, we were left without anything to cook over said fire. It was too late to buy anything, and myself and Susan were both seriously lacking in the fishing license uh, and even fishing pole departments. Thus, our fire was left without having been used to its full potential. We went to bed, and as Suzanne and I began to fall asleep, uh, I was struck with an idea, a burning idea that gnawed at me, relentless, forbidding, uh, uh, forbidding me to sleep, an idea so simple and so beautiful I knew it couldn't fail. I had obviously forgotten about the stew that had saved the day. The road to hell is paved with good intentions. I know this to be true. That morning after the fire, Susan and I awoke. I shared my plan with her and she agreed it was a great idea. The plan in question went as follows. Go to the grocery store. Buy fresh salmon. Begin driving towards Whitehorse. Stop at some point to camp. Light campfire. Light campfire burn down to coals. Cook salmon over coals. Eat salmon. Sleep. Drive home. I don't think that sounds overly complicated. Especially as we were in a town connected via the top of the World Highway, to Fairbanks, Alaska, among pretty much the rest of Alaska. Oh yeah, also about four or five rivers, all famous for salmon running up them. I'm sure by now you figured out that we could not get fresh salmon in Dawson. In fact, we could not get any fresh fish at all. Now for those of you that have never been to Dawson City, it is small. In fact, it is no city at all. It is very, very much a small town. Look it up if you don't believe me. Now, although it is small, I will say that it has filled lots of very nice people, but no salmon. So, Dawson is small. 
there are two stores that supply groceries to the town. One had some frozen fish that looked as though it had been there since the gold rush. When asked, the clerk said that they did not carry fresh fish and that if we wanted fresh fish to get a fishing rod. I believe I responded with mild amusement. The second and final store that may have had fresh fish also did not. Apparently, they would be getting a little bit in the next day, but they didn't usually carry it. Again, we were told that if we wanted fresh fish, we should get a fishing rod. My amusement was fading fast. We now found ourselves at a local hardware store looking for tape for something completely different. While Sue's grazed the tape aisle, I thought I would inquire about anywhere that may have fresh fish in the area. And again, I was met with get a fishing rod. I met this with a dead stare trying to hide my annoyance. And I smiled the nicest smile I could, which likely was no smile at all, and excused myself. Sue's found me staring with malicious wonderment at a barrel full of fishing rods priced between 47 and $79. That was much more than I was willing to pay for fresh fish, even if it was salmon. Not one to be easily deterred, I allowed Sue's to remind me that there were other towns between Dawson and Whitehorse. Surely Dawson was an anomaly in the Yukon. There must be somewhere we could find some fresh salmon. As we drove hour after hour, kilometer after kilometer, pee break after pee break, it became painfully obvious that there was something wrong in the Yukon. Everywhere we looked, there was no fish to be found. Every store, town, community was dry. Was this some kind of salmon prohibition, or was this some kind of sick, demented joke? I don't know. What I do know is that it seemed, and still seems crazy to me, that in the Yukon you cannot get fresh fish anywhere but in Whitehorse. It's crazy. We drove all that day hoping, beyond hope, that around the next bend we would find salvation in the form of a truck um, from the back of which an older man in blue jeans and a blue jacket would be selling fresh wild Pacific salmon. Or hell, I would settle for char or mackerel or perch. Anything at all. Despite our hope and longing, there never was a blue-jeaned man around any corner that we took. We were, as they say, SOL. We drove all the way to, back to Whitehorse that day, stopping everywhere we could along the way, only to be met with disappointment after disappointment. By the time we got back into Whitehorse, it was around 9 p.m., and we knew that Superstore would have fresh salmon. Beat down and downheartened, we drove straight to Superstore. We parked, we got out of the car, we walked towards the store through the automatic sliding glass doors. We walked past candy and cans of pop and chips, fruit and meat. We walked directly to the back of the store and there it was, with the other fish, one package with two beautiful clean salmon fillets. It's fatty pink skin dancing in my uh, vision like a mirage in the desert. At first I didn't want to move towards it for fear that it may disappear. Deep down within me, I knew this was really happening. I knew that I had truly found what I was looking for. Fresh, wild Pacific salmon. Except wait. As I reached towards all my hopes and dreams, my eyes caught sight of the label on the package. What was it? Had I been duped? This wasn't fresh at all. It had been previously frozen. I was in a mood to overlook one flaw. Uh, two of my criteria were still in play. I read on, Farmed? Well, you know what, I reason with myself. It is a bit early in the season for wild salmon anyway. At least it was still Pacific salmon, not Atlantic. Wait, I read on, Atlantic salmon. How could it be possible that I was merely a few hundred kilometers from the Pacific in a territory that is famous for its salmon runs and the only quote-unquote fresh salmon I could get 
came from a fish farm on the entire other side of the country. If I wanted farmed Atlantic salmon, I would have stayed in Nova Scotia. Susan and I walked. My head hung low towards the checkout. Previously frozen farmed Atlantic salmon in hand. We paid and left the store. It may not have been exactly what I wanted, and it may have taken us seven and a half hours worth of driving to get it, but I was determined to cook that stupid fish on a fire that night. Nothing would stop me, I thought. I'm an idiot. There are two main government-run campgrounds within 20 minutes of Whitehorse. As it turns out, one, Robert Service Campground, is much more a hippie commune than a campground. And of course, this neat fact was not discovered until we first drove 20 minutes out of town in the opposite direction we had just come from only to discover that the Wolf Creek campground was fully occupied by oversized RVs. Despite the multitude of RV parks around Whitehorse, all of which were far from capacity. I know this because we drove around all of them, and as we drove around hopelessly in search of a campground uh, where we could light a fire and cook some salmon, a storm moved in. I've been in Whitehorse since April 5th of this year. I've seen all kinds of different weather since I've been here, but I had not to that point or since seen a storm to rival this one uh, that we'd found ourselves facing that night. Heavy rain and lots of thunder and lightning. Our plans were completely doomed. We drove home in silence, our heads low. We went to bed with empty stomachs and empty hearts. The universe had spoken. We were not to eat salmon that night. We got home and went to bed defeated. We both worked the next day. It was a pretty average day. Nothing great happened, but also nothing horrible happened. When the night was over, Suze told me about a campground, campground about an hour outside of town in a place called Carcross, home of the world's smallest desert. She said we could go there. So we left work, went home, collected our salmon and, uh, and some other essentials, and hit the road once again, first stopping at the Wolf Creek Campground once again, uh, which was once again completely full of oversized RVs. Uh, so to Carcross we headed. By the time we arrived at our destination, it was late late enough to be getting dark, which in the Yukon in the summer is very late, around 1 a.m. The campground, though, slightly run down, was almost empty and did indeed have a fire pit along with cut firewood. And as soon as the car stopped, I went about making a fire, determined to get that salmon cooking before anything else could go wrong. After a while, the fire began to die down. I knew it wouldn't be long before I had the glowing coals I needed to cook my fish. It was at this point that I went about prepping my salmon, it was a very simple preparation, a little salt and pepper, some bird syrup, and some butter. Salmon was placed in a tin foil cookie sheet with holes cut in the bottom and another cookie sheet placed over the top. Once my prep was done, I went back to tending the fire. As I sat in the glow and the warmth of the fire, hundreds of stars overhead, the woman I loved beside me, I felt as though maybe, just maybe, everything would be okay. It was in that instant that I saw something move out of the corner of my eye. We were deep in the heart of bear country. That is a fact. Another fact is that bears love salmon. And with Sue shining the flashlight and the lights of the car turned on, we discovered another fact. We were not alone. Luckily, it was not a bear. I was not looking forward to having to use the bear spray anyway. It was in fact a fox. Though he was quite cute, he was way too curious about my salmon. After about 20 minutes of playing cat and mouse, or fox and hound if you will, car lights and flashlights being turned off and on, sticks being banged against trees, we were finally rid of our little pest. Now that we were pest-free, there were clear skies above us, and the fire was burning before us, I began to cook our salmon. Our salmon that took us seven hours, 532 kilometers to find, and three days to cook, was finally over a fire. 
By the time it was done and some asparagus had been grilled alongside it, it was about 3.30 a.m. We ate. It was delicious. Was it worth all the annoyance and all the stress? Absolutely not. Well, the salmon wasn't. The company, the journey, and the story, however, I would say yes. So there you have it. Yet another story of heartache and unbelievable adversity all in the search for the meal my heart desires. The things I do for love. There you go. I'm Chef Ben. This is Food in 5 brought to you by HowToNotBurnShit.com, your modern culinary manual. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Chef Ben Kelly and on Facebook at Ben Kelly Cooks. Like and subscribe to this podcast. And if you enjoy it, please tell your friends about it. Um, you know, share, share the love. Uh, and thank you so much for listening. I sincerely appreciate all, all the people out there that are listening to this. Uh, thank you so much. Have a great Wednesday. I'll be back tomorrow with another episode of Food History. I'll see you then.